Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Your place, last message, message number four. Also grab your phone, scan the QR code so you can follow up uh, in your phone. We're going to scan, we're going to open up the Your Place webpage. So scroll up. And you're going to find message number four. As you know, this series is based on this important track uh, in our church. Is this uh, track that welcomes people to the house, that welcomes people in the family. We call this track Vine Experience. It's a four-meeting uh, moment with me that usually we do it right after the service. And we present the heart of the church. We present the DNA of the house. You, we, we present to you whoever is thinking on making Vine Church, their home church, a place that they will find purpose, they will fulfill their divine gift here, and they will multiply disciples, uh, and we want to resource you. So this series, Your Place, it's founded in this, this track, in this uh, content that we have here in our church. We understood that we awesome, the whole church going through uh, the content and also be enabled to welcome people more for uh, the Vine experience. How many of you guys are with me in all your place series, all the four messages, including today? How many of you guys? One hand up. Everybody, let me see. All right, few of you guys. So please, 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 I beg you, go in our website, get all the four messages or in our YouTube channel, or even in our website as well, you're going to find an archive with all the messages on this series. It's very important that you are making Vine Church your home church, that you go through this series. Say a good amen. Now again, if you say, no, Pastor, uh, is it possible that I go through Vine Experiences as soon as you guys reopen? Absolutely. I would love to have you. Vine Experience, we're going to reopen again, relaunch again in December, because November we're going to use the moment for the baptism course, amen? But in December, we're going to have again this content, but we're going to save the Your Place webpage in our website uh, so you can use this and, you know, like show whoever's joining your life group what they can expect of the church. Are you guys with me? Today's the last message on this series and really need your attention, all your brain. Please let me bore your brain in your heart for a few minutes so you can receive the power, the powerful word of God, and allow this word change your mindset. Amen. Close your eyes. Please bow your heads. Father, we pray that you move in this place and bring revelation, revelation in our hearts, transformation of our way to think, our mindsets. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you change the paradigms in our uh, concepts and our, and our concepts about the church, about the body of Christ. And let us grow up. Let us grow up to the perfect and the fullness of the manhood of Christ. We want to have this likeness embedded on us. So we speak into our hearts today. And the whole church said, amen and amen. Are you guys ready? I'm going to speed up here and I need you following up with me. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. The kingdom of God is not about 
this world only. It's not about how you feel on yourself, but it's about the righteousness and the peace and the joy in the Holy Spirit. When we decided to plant this church, we're looking to, to experience a genuine move of God. I don't want, I don't want to, you know, just play your emotions here. We don't want to gimmick things here so you go every Sunday uh, out of this service feeling something only in your emotions. We want you to have a genuine touch of heaven, like the conference says. Like we want you really experience the righteousness, the joy, and the peace of the Holy Spirit. And we honestly cannot, uh, uh, again, pretend or fake this. We have to seek this in the Holy Spirit. Zechariah chapter 4, the prophet Zechariah is trying to encourage this uh, heir of King David, the next king in line, Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel thought, maybe I need a strong army. Maybe I need a mighty weapon to defeat my enemy. What I need is some sort of administration skill. And, and the prophet Zechariah says, no, Zerubbabel, what you need is not might. What you need is not more power. What you need is the spirit of the Lord. Amen. It is by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, that you will establish this kingdom. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and I love this verse. It's one of the most quoted verses here by Vine Church. We need identity. I, I, I was talking with my wife about that. Like there is this genero, generational crisis on identity. And, I, and that's why uh, so, social media is so prevailing and is so determining on uh, teenagers' uh, identity in this moment. Because the people in the world does not know what is their, what are their identities? But we know who we are. We are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. We are a people that belongs to God. Exclusive use to God. We are holy because we were set apart for an exclusive use. We are exclusive. For what? So we may proclaim the excellencies. Of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, like I, I really, I'm, I was meditating on that. I heard this story this week of this, this pastor that uh, his family wasn't a, a pastoral family. Actually, his father was um, an um, NFL coach. And... Uh, he came to his dad and said, hey, dad, why, why won't we not go as any other family in the neighborhood to church when it's Easter or Christmas? And his dad told him, it's because we are not fake. We don't like, in this family, we don't like to pretend things. And I, and I know that when you go to the church on Easter service, Jesus will expect you to come next Sunday. So if you're not willing to come to the church the next Sunday, it's better you don't go in Easter service as well. And this pastor sharing this experience, he says, you know, I, uh, I remember my dad speaking that to me, and I, I couldn't uh, avoid to connect that statement with Revelation chapter 3, when Jesus rebuked the church of Laodicea, saying, you are not cold nor hot, you are lukewarm. And Jesus rebuked because it is better that it would be cold. So this pastor said, I, uh, the fact that my dad was 
totally aware that he was cold, gave my family hope to salvation. But it's horrible when we are just pretending and playing the game of religiosity for the sake of our conscience. Just because we learn something and we have to come down and, and, and clean our conscience doing things here in the so-called environment of the church and keeping the, the wheel is spinning just for the sake of our conscience. What we want is a genuine move of God in this place. That's why we don't want to just do it with natural skills. We need the supernatural seal of God. It is not about natural gimmicks or a strategy that again is going to stir up your emotions. Our growth is not a result of having useful structures and good organization. If the success of our work can be attributed to a good organizational structure, then we're not different from other businesses organizations out there. If our fellowship, if our membership is just because we have similarities, the same culture background, where if you're just like trying to get along with people that has our same tastes and language and accent, or just because we have something in common, we're no different than these book club gatherings that in the end of the day change nothing in each other's life. If our message is not distinguished by what we see in these political debates or in the academic environment, if it's all about speech skills, we will change nothing in this world. Jesus said to Pilate, this, this guy in charge, and now felt the owner of the world, look, Pilate, you think you have the kingdom in your hand, but in the end of the day, my kingdom is not of this world I came to change this world with the weapons with the strategies of another kingdom in human structures there are marketing strategies quality control resources management is all about the natural things you know natural methods they have a use but they are just like clothes that you dress on and take off as there is a need but what we really need it is the seal of the Holy Spirit in the work we are doing here. We want not only to do it better, but do it supernaturally. It's not about singing songs, having a skit group, or creative programs, and fill up your schedule, your weekly schedule with religious program and making you feel good about yourself. We want to have the seal of the Holy Spirit. And, the, and, and what is this seal? What is this, like this clear display of the work of the Holy Spirit among us? It's when people are being saved and transformed. Now, let me tell this to you again. We cannot fake that. Only the message of grace, only the gospel is the power of God to save the broken world. Yeah. Romans chapter 1, Apostle Paul says in verse 16 that that's why he were willing to give himself to this message. To die for this message because the message of the gospel anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit can save anyone. I love this song that we're saying during the 21 days that the God of revival and one of the statements says there is no one that God cannot save. But only God can save the broken and the lost. Only the grace can save people and turn them 
into disciples of Christ. And we do, like we, we are in this project. We are involved in this mission impossible endeavor to save people from hell and bring them to heaven and transform their family context and, and bring salvation since childhood and, and turn disciples who make disciples through life groups. And this is only the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need His power. That's why in week two on this series, I insisted with you so you could develop a genuine, again, I want to use this word many times today, genuine, not faking, not gimmick, not emotional games, a genuine. I hate to talk with people that come to me and use this, you know, Christianese language and all this religious appearance. But as soon as you start to talk a little deeper in conversation, you touch the person. It's just, it's just soap bubble. It's just foam. Like there's no real content. There is no spiritual density. I want to be known in my city, in my family as a man that carries the weight of the glory of God. The kabod of God. Uh, this, the, this is the Hebrew word for glory, which is also the same word for weight. I, you look at me and definitely I'm not a very heavy person, right? I, at least I try myself to keep my health up. But uh, I want to be very heavy with the glory of God. Whenever I speak or come along or just chit chat with whoever, I want to have the seal of the glory of God. I need the power of God. That's the promise of Jesus. He says, like, I, I need you to receive my power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, you will receive my power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you will be my witness everywhere in your closest circle of influence, like we said last week. In your niche of influence, maybe even farther than that, in context and in conversations and circles that it is not necessarily the most comfortable place like Samaria. But God in his amazing power through us will make us even useful to the end of the earth. Our prayer is that in some point we receive here the revelation from God. And we may see the church through his eyes. And how God wants to use you to be this disciple who make disciples through the life groups. Now that's why we need to laser focus our attention to what is God's heart. What is the, the very center, the very core of, of God's heart. I want to find out what is in God's heart. Heart, so I don't deviate myself and detour from his divine purpose of my life. We insisted that in first week and third week of this series. We insisted that it is so very important that you get your purpose. So you will reach out and, and, and please God entirely. Like there is this, this horrible story that I heard once. It's just an illustration. But it gives us always goosebumps and just the... This horrible feeling of frustration because this guy spent his entire life doing what pleased him the most. And he, he was an excellent cooker and, and he decided to bake to God this amazing vanilla cake to God. 
And he used the best ingredients he could ever make it and use and made this beautiful frosting appearance of this vanilla cake. And he came before God and here it is, God, the work of my life, the conclusion of my days. It's here, this beautiful, delicious vanilla cake. And God said, thank you so much, but I am for chocolate cakes. I really don't like much vanilla. So what? I don't know if you feel bad about this story, but there are people that are spending years and, you know, money and time, and they are not really fulfilling what God called them to fulfill. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, is a recall. It is a remembrance of what God called us to be and be useful for. Grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come the one that has time in his hand it is it is this jesus that that releases the the grace we need to fulfill his very calling that he brings upon us and he says this is the calling jesus christ the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood how many of us are free and free indeed in the house we open the service today with this statement and Jesus says and he made us a kingdom priests to his God and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever amen and amen I love this verse God has a single purpose for his creation generating children after his likeness that is the core of the father's heart for God what really matters is not how much we are doing making or performing but how much we are generating after our kind God made you a teacher a businessman made you an evangelist made you this man of God this woman of God this mother this father made you this excellent successful person with the goal to multiply yourself to make other disciples now we encourage you to find your gift with the goal to bear much fruit in the area that God is blessing you the most Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 God said in the opening of the story of mankind he says I bless you already I gave you everything you need to fulfill my calling. You are already blessed. Doing or doing nothing, you have my blessing. Say a good amen in the house. There's nothing more clear than the grace of God in this statement. God had created man. Man had no chance yet to perform anything. There is no time yet for man to develop any ark, any building, any tower, any endeavor, any enterprise. There's nothing built and God said, I bless you. You're already blessed. You have my seal upon you. But now that you have this seal, be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth. Fill the earth with this blessing, with this character, with this kindness. I bless you so you could be a blessing. Come on, say a good amen in the house. We're going to see this message being resound from Genesis to Revelation. This is always the same intention of God. We open in Revelation chapter 1 and we saw that this is, the, this is the opening of the last book of the Bible. And I'm reading for you Genesis chapter 1, the very first book of the Bible. And the story is always the same. Be fruitful. Multiply. Be my priest. Be my representative. Carry my image. God's heart remains the same. He wants children many in his likeness 
And because you are one of them, we can fulfill this calling. There are many churches out there doing things, keeping activities and programs. They are trying to do or make something to God. Unfortunately, behind of these many activities, it's this question, how you feel about that? Like, how are you feeling doing this? Definitely, God, we're not going to uh, defraud you, building you in a certain way and asking you to perform something else that is totally against how he, he built you up. For example, I remember uh, planting the church uh, eight years ago, and there was no worship team. And I had to sing and play and preach and open the service and raising the offering and, you know, get the kids out of the stage area so they're not going to die, electric, you know, with electrical shocks here. Anyways, so I remember doing all this, but uh, definitely I'm not the best singer and musician. And, and, but the, the Lord blessed me with the gift of teaching uh, even, even when it's not my, my language, I, I still have this grace of God to teach. And I'm, I'm developed this in the grace of God. But in the moment, I had to be used by God in things that were not the best place or where I felt the most pleasure into. At least for a time. At least for a while. But in some of these churches, it's all about this doing because you feel good about it. How do you feel doing that? Many are moved under the belief that they can only please God if they keep doing something for God. But there is another paradigm. There is another model. It is those that have one single focus. They want to generate children for God. The Bible opens up the story of the Bible in Genesis chapter 4 and then Genesis chapter 5. And we see these two lineage of people being filling up the earth. One lineage is after Cain's genealogy. And the sons of Cain is all about doing, performing, developing, and endeavoring things, and doing amazing things on the earth. But the Bible described this genealogy without no ears counted. They built uh, uh, music instruments. They developed weapons. They were very... Uh, they have this ingenuity and this ability to create things. But the Bible doesn't say how many years they had lived. And that they actually had generated anyone. But in Genesis chapter 5, the second genealogy is the genealogy of the sons of God. Adam's genealogy. And the Bible says that these guys, they did not perform many things. They did not develop many things. But they were, their ears were counted. Every day of their lives were counted. And this is how the Bible says they generated children after children. It seems that the tension of God is always after children. We can care for the homeless. We can build houses, take care of orphanage, establish an art center, produce media, create a worship band, and do many other things. However, only one thing is required to generate. So obviously, we're going to do things. I'm doing something right now. But if the end of my making or doing does not end up generating, I will not be counted. My work will be burned in the end. There is no other way to change the world. The only way is to filling up the earth with children after God's likeness. I love this parable that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13. 
He compares us, please do. He compares us as a seed. He says, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. Now, Jesus is the sower in this parable. This is not the parable of the sower that most of us know, which the seed is the word of God. This is another parable. And this, this sower now is God himself, is Jesus himself. And the seed of Jesus is different. He says, the field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Say, I am. Everybody say after me. Say, I am. I am. A seed. Now, look, the one parable is the word of God as a seed. But now Jesus says that the seed is you. You are a seed. And as a seed, when you are sown into the soil, you don't wonder about your purpose. You don't go to the next seed neighbor just to take tea in the, in the evening. Your destiny is not just to research all about the worms that go around you as a seed. When you are sown as a seed, your desire, your purpose, your dream is one. One thing only is to generate. It's to, it's to grow and it is to die and grow into a beautiful tree. But let me tell you something. The tree is not the end purpose of a seed. The end purpose of a seed is to bear much, much fruit as it grows into a beautiful tree fruitful tree so as a seed we should we all should have the same desire to generate not to make things not to develop things even though we're gonna be involved in so many things as a church we're gonna actually do many things we have trunk and treat we have baptism we have events we have conference but our only goal here is to make disciples to make disciples through life groups are we receiving anything good this morning guys Amen. Now, let me be practical with you guys this morning. Because if our final goal is always to make disciples, if it is always to bear fruits and generate after God's likeness, I want to be equipped. I want to have the revelation of that empowered by God to do that. So truth to be told, the church that lives in the reality of discipleship we not have a need of anything. Now, we have maturity course. We have baptism. We have LTC. We equip you to, we make many things. But if we had a successful discipleship culture working and happening in our church, we will actually will not have any need for anything that we are trying to facilitate. The core of our discipleship is Christ. We are always pointing to Christ. We are not creating friendship and ownership between brothers and sisters in our church. We are creating bonds that will promote Christ's likeness in each other's life. Are you guys following what I'm saying? We believe that if you made till this point, it is because you understand and you want to generate children for God. That's why you have to commit yourself, number one, to make a difference. You understand that only you can affect the circle of influence that God placed you in. Only you can reach out to this niche given to you. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 says, God saved us and called us to a holy calling. Say a good amen just in this statement. Again, it is not an ordinary 
common. Everybody has. I'm, you know, I'm just lost in the multitude. No, no, you are one of a kind. You are this prime work of God. You are this perfect design element for God's calling. Not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Like I told you guys, I think this we repeat it all over the series. It seems that every time God uh, speaks about our calling, He tries to bring us in this timeless place, out of time, so we can have a better perspective. Like the calling, your purpose, require your existence. Call your existence. Now this, if you really have this perspective, everything in your life turns more meaningful. Your marriage, you actually got married with this person because in the divine counsel and sovereignty, God called you to be with this specific spouse so together you could fulfill the purpose. Which, for those that are single in the house, should think very well, is this person a facilitator? Is this person an encourager, a guider, a signer? A sign point for my purpose or someone that is going to be a hindrance for me. So don't speed up processes. Pray about it before you make this decision. We want to serve people pointing them to the grace we once received. Number two, if you want to generate children, if you want to make disciples, you want to build the church. God is passionate with his people. Jesus is in love with his bride. This is what in God's heart. But pay attention. The church is not a structure. The church is not an organization. It's an organism. And, and, and this, this group of people, this, uh, this eternal purpose project has to be built with the proper materials. The church is not built up with volunteers, people that just has desires and dreams. And I was talking with a pastor that is trying to plan a church, and he was talking with his uh, team. And part of his team already said, look, pastor, I'm really joining you in this church plant idea because I want to lead the women's ministry. And he wondered, which women are you talking about? We don't even have anyone in our church, and you were really... You know, making plans. You're already making plans for leading a department in the church when I don't even have members in the church, even less departments. So people come to the church with their personal agendas. It is not only build up the church because it's the church. We have to do it with God's own material. Now, if anyone, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, builds on the foundation with gold, Silver, precious stones, first group, second group, wood, hay, or straw. Each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. Everybody says by fire. fire. Say it again, by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Say reward. Say, everybody, reward. reward. 
So when we build up with the proper material, it's not about just building things. It's building with the proper material because I can come with two loaded trucks full of hay, straw, and wood and park here in the church building and say, look at that. Look at all my work. And suddenly my wife comes with these two little bags, just small two little bags, but full of diamonds. And she says, here it is, God. This is all the work I had did for you, God. All right, God said, let's pass all through the fire. Let us all pass all this work through the fire. Whatever survives will be rewarded. But whatever, whatever will be burned will suffer loss. Though himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, again, the church... It is meant to be built up with genuine, genuine material. It, it brings back this, this sense of reality, guys. We're not playing the game of religiosity here. We're not just keeping the wheel spinning for God's sake and for your calling. Please don't do this to yourself. Now, beautiful about this too kinds of materials is that the same fire that will burn one group will purify another group you guys agree with me which means that whatever circumstance that is making this pressure this heat coming over your life if you are genuine if you are real if you're not plain fake will purify you you will become more precious there is no other way to build the church but generating spiritual children for God. One of the seals that I hope to have in my ministry is the genuineness in my house. So my son is 13 years old, and he decided to lead his life group. And I have to say honestly to you, I never ever make any pressure to my son to lead in the church. I think because he saw in me the joy, the fun, the adventure, you know, the up and downs and all the, the thrill of leading. I think this caught his attention. My wife recently, we came from this pastor's empowerment this week. And one of the discussions was all about how to not traumatize your kids when you are a pastor. And some pastors were very afraid to do this with their kids. And they were wondering, what can we do to prevent that trauma in our kids? So my wife, giving a ride to my boys, she started to talk with them and says, do you guys, my two boys, feel a little pressure or it is just like uh, weird or not good to be a pastor's kid? And my two boys, very surprised, said, what you're asking, man? Like they were really like, what question is that? It's absolutely a privilege for us. This is not my words. This is she telling me what they told her. Uh, for us, it's awesome to be pastor's kids. First, we know a lot of people. Second, everybody in the church likes us. Third, my dad knows all the answers I need to know. He's better than Google. And uh, why I feel that this is bad, you know? I, I wonder, like, where in the world maybe there are pastor's kids that feel like that. And let me say something when I say, and my kid, 13 years old, is leading in a life group. It's not only him. We had Agatha leading her first life group when she was 13 years old. But my wife led your first life group when she was 12 years old. And I think, I think that when our middle schoolers, our teenagers, sees this 
reality. Because let me say something. If it is to play fake gimmicks, they already have their YouTubers characters that they follow online. They know that it's all fake. It's all pretending. So they are like the world is tired of fake identity, fake, give me words, profile. The world knows that it's not real. But when they come in our house, in this place, in your life group, when they go there, what they will find, I want the world to see gold, silver, and precious stones. Number three, you want to make disciples with other disciples. Now, we understood that this endeavor of making disciples is not a Lone Ranger mission. There is no way we're going to survive in this process. That's why from the very beginning, Jesus always sent two by two. He was always together in a group. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, two are better than one. Everybody say amen here. Two are better than one. It's not what you think. It is what God said. We were built, designed, we were engineered by God to, to walk together because they have a good reward of their toil. Matthew chapter 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you. I am, I am with you to the end of the age. I want to invite Brittany and Carlos Ramos here at this stage. This is a leader. This is a couple of leaders that we have in the house. And in this moment, usually in Vine Experience, we invite people to join us in the room and speak honestly, okay, without, without mask, without pretending. Two simple questions. Why, I'm sorry, how, how you became a leader here. How you became a, a person that influences other people here in Vine Church. And number two, why you keep leading. Because I know I'm speaking right now to those people that one day led life groups and were making disciples. But somehow stopped to lead. And I want to answer these two questions with Carlos and Brittany genuinely, honestly. Uh, from their own experience with us, how you start to lead and why you guys keep leading Divine Church. Oh, your mic, sorry. Uh, so really quick, um, try to make this very brief just because we have five minutes to, to yes, two and a half minutes and two and a half minutes. So I practiced last night to be able to make this quick. Uh, <laughs> stayed up to like 12 in the morning talking about this. But anyways, I, uh, before I came uh, to my first life group, I received two dreams from God. First one was to share the gospel to a lot of young people. Uh, and the second one is to lead worship among a lot of young people. And I believe that I'm doing this today. Uh, then after I had those two dreams, like a few weeks later, I remember Pastor Tulio, um, how we were friends in high school, and how he had invited me to come to a life group uh, many times before. So I, t I shoot him a text. I say, hey, Pastor Tulio, uh, when do you have your life group? When is this going to happen? At the time, it wasn't Pastor no, he was not Pastor Tulio. He was Tulio. Just like, dude. He was like, dude, what's up, bro? How's it going? And he told me, oh, tonight is going to be tonight in a few hours. Do you want to come? I said, okay, awesome. I'll go. I put on my uh, godly apparel. I got a tie, a uh, dress shirt, a sweater, some dress pants, and some dressing shoes. 
And so I went to pick up Tulio, and I saw Tulio in Havaianas, shorts, and a t-shirt. I was obviously overdressed for the occasion. So I, I, I believe I asked you, I believe I asked him, man, I think I'm overdressed. And he was like, no, you're fine. I didn't listen. I took the tie off, the sweater off, untucked my shirt, and I was just like, whatever. And then we went to the life group, man, and I, we saw there were probably like 20 people in this life group. 20 young people full of God's, uh, of God's presence, move of the Holy Spirit so strong. And at that moment, I knew that was the place that God wanted me to be. I know that week we went to the Enjoy service, and Lucas was singing, and the Holy Spirit was just moving there so strong. Set of fire, I think he was singing, and everything. Uh, the only two songs we sang back then. Uh, but it was really cool. I felt the Holy Spirit so strong. I said, Jesus, come on, now. this is it. This is it. And, of course, I went through the impact uh, maturity course in, in leadership training, and this is how I became a leader. But I want to share something with you guys, that's something that I understood uh, as being a leader. Um, when you become a child of God, when you're born again, God gives you two things, three things. Kingship, uh, priesthood, and sonship, right? So kingship, authority, uh, priesthood, ministry, and then sonship, you're a son of God, adopted by, by God. But I want to focus on the priesthood part because this is a very important part. You, when you became a child of God, you become a priest, and there's three aspects. First one, you go into your private place and you minister to God. You have your devotional with God. You grow in your life of God. And I got to tell you, this is very, very important. And this is something that we should do every day to grow in Jesus. Second thing, you come to what we call, like, like say, the table, table time. You come together and you share what God spoke to you in, your private, in the private place. And third one, of course, you go and preach the gospel to a new person. But this is the second one that I think that was a catalytic moment in my life that actually launched me to, to fulfill my ministry. It's just coming together as a life group. You know, sometimes we come into a life group uh, expecting to receive. But actually the life group is the moment that you've got to give, you know, that you have to be open for the Holy Spirit to use you. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, if you go uh, to the life group to give, you will see the whole, you will perceive the move of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says it is much better to give than to receive. Um, I got to say, so, so, you know, sometimes I, I think that the, the thing that keeps us from doing that for, to walk in God's purposes is just that. We like to compare ourselves. Sometimes it's a comparison. Sometimes we see pastors and we see how wide his capability is, right, or, or Pastor Tulio. And we know that pastor's capability is from, goes from Genesis to Revelation, and maybe yours, it's just the book of Romans, or perhaps it's just one verse, John 3, 16, right? We all know this verse. But I tell you that when the Holy Spirit moves, it doesn't matter how small your boat is or how big your ship is, both will move. Amen. And I want to tell you that today. Open up your heart. Let the Holy Spirit move. And just to answer the last question really quick, the reason why I'm a leader here today is called simple. Just one name. It's called Jesus Christ. Amen. Have not found a state of fulfillment or meaning or satisfaction uh, knowing Jesus Christ. Of course, we have marriage, and marriage is amazing, actually. And it gives you that purpose, that meaning. You have to be a provider. And I love doing this, being this for my wife and children and maybe having a career. And let me tell you, these things are very, very good, very awesome. But, the, but there's nothing better than being in the purpose of Jesus Christ. There's nothing better that will make, give you this satisfaction, this fulfillment of generating. And this is the purpose of God. And I got to agree with my brother Gustavo said last night 
The, it's, it's, the question is not why you should leave, but why not? This is it. Amen. Let's give it up to Karen. It's awesome. I invited Brittany Ramos uh, as a couple here, right, as this wife, uh, because I want to, Brittany, on the other side, we see here we live kind of in the comfort of the AC, not much noise, just right now to make some noise in the side. But on the other side of the building, you have a lot of noise going on, and there is, a, there is this own growing, I can, I can dare to say, is the most outreach, evangelistic, aggressive evangelism strategy here in our church happening right now, is our kids' ministry. And Brittany is involved as wife in a, a young adult, adult network with me and Carlos, but also with my wife with Vine Kids, and answer us how you became a leader and why you're still leading there. Amen. So how I first became a leader with the kids is actually funny, and people know I was terrified of kids, like, for most of my life, because I never dealt with kids. I don't have younger siblings. I don't have younger cousins. I never dealt with little kids, so I just stayed away from them. I tried babysitting, and that just didn't turn out well. So, like, coming to the church, like, the women were like, oh, come work with the kids with us. It's kind of like what we do, and I was like, no. You know, and like they tried and I was like, I don't know what to do with this baby. You know, like I just I was scared because I had lack of knowledge and I was just like not open to try it. But then I received my calling from God and this kind of pushed me to, okay, let's try it out. And like Pastor was saying earlier, it's not because it's comfortable for you, but you do because you saw what God did in your life and you just want to serve in any way that you can. So I went not even knowing the outcome or if I would like it or not. I did because I wanted to serve God. I wanted to do something, you know, and I was like, okay, if this is where you want me to go, okay, I'll go there. And I started out as a leader in training in Adriana's life group. And like being with her, she taught me so much. And of course, sometimes I went dragging my feet. We had it on Saturday morning and I was a seminarian at the time and I was like, okay, let's go, you know? But like I learned so much, not just from her, but from these kids. Like these kids' faith is so big and like, it's just so encouraging. And the more I worked with the kids and then eventually I did become a leader and I did not feel prepared at all, but like, that's the thing, I don't need to know about kids. I don't need to uh, have had a kid knowing how to raise a kid. I don't need to know everything. God is the one who does through me. Amen. You know, I was like, man, I have no authority to tell a kid, like, no, stop doing that or whatever, you know. God is the one who gives me authority. He gives me the words. And literally, he is the one who leads. I don't need to feel any pressure. And the truth is, when you're leading... Like, you can feel dragged down, but it's because you have to see that it's by your own strength. You have to give it all to God. And if you feel tired at moments, you have to reassess yourself and say, no, is this on my own strength or is it on God? Because you have to put it all on God because ultimately you're there for him. You know, you're there to share the word that he wants to touch these kids with. You know, and like these kids, again, like they... It's, it's so rewarding to be a leader and see these kids being transformed. You know, they come one way, and then, like, they're this other person. And it's like, wow. Yes. And then you see them touching their families. And it's rewarding, but it's not just rewarding for you. It's just, like, so encouraging the way that they take the truth. Like, they just take it as pure truth. It's so hard to tell somebody else, like, 
hey, you know, like, Jesus loves you, died on the cross for you. They're like, okay, yeah. But the kid is like, yes, I'm loved by God. This is my identity in Christ. And they're ready to go to a graveyard and try to raise people from the dead. Like, they are ready for this, you know? And most people are not ready for that. So it's encouraging, and you see that this is the next generation. And for me, that's the biggest thing. That's why I keep leading, because it's not about me. It's not about getting tired. Like, I won't slow down. I won't stop, because I see the purpose is the next generation. And if God wants to use me in there, hallelujah, I want to be used there. I don't care if I touch one kid's life. Come on, come on. I just want to be used for God. So that's why I still Let's give it up for this beautiful couple here, guys. Isn't them, are them not the Vine Church couple? Isn't, isn't, like they are just the perfect Vine Church couple, right? Beautiful, beautiful. Number three again, item number three. Look, first, guys, you are never going to do this yourself. We're going to make disciples with other disciples. All the way to the, the process of opening a life group or co-leading a life group. We, we're going to be with you. I love what Britton just said. But uh, you have to experience that. It's so hard to, you know, insist. It, it, anyways, I, I like to compare like this. There are some experiences that is really hard to translate. Few of you guys ever experienced... Jabuticaba. It's even hard to say. Like when you say the name of this fruit, it seems that you're praying to Jabuticaba. <laughs> but it's the name of a fruit. Very common in my area where I came from. And for everyone born and raised where I came from, we are used to once a year to go to these farms, Jabuticaba's farms. And we go and we harvest fresh and eat there Jabuticaba. And now some of you guys water your mouth like my wife. And some of you guys say, what in the world pastor is talking about? It's because you never taste it. And it's hard to describe. Describe the fruit's flavor right now. Like, I, very hard. Because I don't have reference. Anything that at least that I tried out here in the United States, it's similar to the taste of this fruit. Leaving, making disciples. It's such an awesome, flavorful, amazing, satisfying experience. I love because Carlos, Brittany, Gustavo yesterday sharing their testimony speaks. It's so fulfilling. It's so exciting. You have to try it out. Let's always stand up for this. Place.